What's up, everybody? Welcome to Call to the Bullpen. I'm David Payne with Brad Zampar and Jimmy Miller. Let's play ball. In a, a new studio today for the first time. Still getting set up, so this is not the final version. Also, uh, not, not as exciting of a backdrop today as in previous episodes, but we're back with another one and ready to go, and we're going to kick it off talking about the New York Stankies because the Yankees can't, can't – I mean, their, their whole history is buying wins, and they can't buy a win at this point. You know, Aaron Boone slamming the table, getting angry, seeing him uh, probably the angriest we've ever seen him as Yankees manager. The worst uh, last 10 games in all of Major League Baseball, the division lead that was once, what was it, 15 games at a point is now less than half of that at seven. Uh, and that's not even with the Blue Jays, Rays, Orioles, and Red Sox playing well. The best uh, other last 10 in the division is six and four. Uh, so it's not like any team is playing stellar. The Yankees are just playing that bad, two and eight in their last 10 uh, on a three-game losing streak at, at the moment that we're recording this. Is it time to panic in the Bronx? What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I think it is. You know, you saw that video of Cole after the coming out of the game yesterday crying and, like, hitting the roof of the dugout like a six-year-old. Uh, I, I'd say, yeah, I think it is time to panic because – I, I didn't think that getting Montas and Benintendi would actually make them worse, but it kind of somehow did. Um, I'm not really too confident in them winning that division. You know, the Orioles are obviously playing better, and then, then you have the Rays and the Blue Jays who are, you know, they're going to stick around. But I think if the Yankees do make it and win that division, they're not going to go deep. You know, I think they're going to be a first-round exit. Yeah, that's a lot of it's going to come back to Cashman this year, especially if they end up getting knocked out and even in the – CS, which would be a godsend for them if they could even get that far right now. But Montas looks like he's scared to pitch in the Bronx. He's been awful there. Benintendi's got an OPS plus of like 64 and like 40 at-bats. It's, it's Cashman didn't do enough in the offseason, and him having even an above-average trade deadline, his neglect at the beginning of the year is really the reason why this team is in the situation they are now. And you know, now you see them calling up uh, Oswaldo Cabrera and um, the, the outfielder. Name, I'm blanking on the name right now. Florio? Yeah. Yeah, so now you see them starting to call guys up now that it's like, oh, shit time. But And I think that, you know, we've been kind of calling for Cashman's head for a, a little while now. But I think a lot of it comes back on Hal, too, and, and the, you know, not willing to spend big money like the, the Yankees traditionally do. And, you know, we talked a, a couple weeks ago about the, the Red Sox and the curse of Mookie. And now you've got the Yankees and the curse of Gallo. Since getting rid of Gallo, they can't win. And Gallo, uh, I mean, what, three home runs over there in L.A.? It's it's crazy what happens when guys can't have facial hair. They just can't play the game. He's got three home runs in L.A., and the Yankees have three wins in that time frame. Yeah, it's it's insane. You know, who, who would have thought that, you know, losing Joey Gallo, who couldn't, I mean, when he was a Yankee, he couldn't hit a beach ball with a boat oar. But, uh, I mean, that really has – I mean, some – I'm sure that's not actually a difference maker. And, you know, we kind of said all along, all season, that there was going to be a big correction coming in the Yankees' record. Uh, but that this is not your, you know, break the Mariners' record team at all. Um, but uh, that that team uh, very well could be in the, the NL West. You and I, Brad, were kind of texting about – the Dodgers and what they would have to do to get to 115. And it's just continued to play at the pace they've played out all season. And they're going to be at 115 at the end of the season, which is one away there. You, you know, you figure you could 
you know, go one one extra win, maybe could throw in there. So that they're on pace. The Dodgers can do it, which you know, that's the team that the Yankees are being hyped up as. And there's such a clear gap now. I mean, even a 10 game gap in, in the wins now between those two teams. So you know, the Yankees had their little run where they took I feel like every year, last year happened too, where the Dodgers fell off the number one spot on the power rankings for a couple of weeks. The Dodgers tend to do that and then just explode again and, and go right back to where we're not worried about them. Now, let's stick in the NL since I brought up the NL and talk about Albert Pujols and the 700 home run chase. Because for a while, it seemed like, you know, a, kind of a lock that he wasn't going to get there. It was kind of like, oh, Albert's going to finish the year so close and it's going to suck. Um, but five home runs in the last five games. He's gone on a crazy power surge. He's still mashing lefties and he's eight away. Now he's eight away with a month and two weeks or a month and a week and a half or so to play. Uh, we're very much in 700 home run watch territory. And I listen, I don't want to be that guy, but sudden Pujols power surge Cardinals eight and two in their last uh, 10 a pace that they haven't won at all season I don't want to say Manfred's breaking the juice balls out for Cardinals offensive uh, you know, halves of the innings but I mean I'm not gonna not say it but no I, I mean Albert is still is still an animal he's still mashing you know the team also has Goldie who's the clear NL MVP Arenado they're they're still a stacked team um, but they've not won at a pace like this all season. Albert has not hit at a pace like this all season. It kind of makes you think um, because you know, it's not something that I would put past Rob Manfred. I'm not trying to knock the Cardinals or knock Pujols, but I wouldn't put it past Rob Manfred. We know that he's done shady stuff, slipping juice balls in. And you know what? If he is, I don't care. I don't care. But I want to see him get to 700. So juice. I, I hope that they juice the balls for Cardinals at bats. I hope that pitchers throw meatballs to Albert Pujols. I don't know. But I think that at the same time, there's no farewell tour for Albert Pujols. That door is entirely open if he finishes this year at 696, 697, for him to come back for a, you know another season. Even if he comes back for the month of April, hits three home runs and dips. I think the door is completely open for that. Um, but do you guys see him getting to 700 this season? Yeah, I, I think he does. I mean, when you look at it, like you look at Bonds and, you know, a Riley, who got close, you know, they were actually juiced, you know, if they're going to juice the balls for the last, you know, dozen home runs he has to get, so be it, you know, he's pretty much earned it at this point to get there. He said even now, uh, if he like he won't come back next year, obviously, like you said, that window's open, but I think that maybe he does have a sense of urgency to get there. Maybe the balls aren't juiced and he's just like, it's go time, you know, draining what he has left in his tank, but yeah. Yeah, I, th I think he'll, I think he'll get there. It might come down to the last week of the season when he's might have been stuck on seven hundred for a little bit, but I think he'll eventually get there. It's, I feel like even if, I mean, if you're going in there and the balls aren't juiced, are you gonna go throw him a meatball every time he steps in there when you're fifteen games under five hundred and say, oh, Pujols hit six ninety seven off of me, like I, I would be doing that. It's, it's, I really hope he gets there because he's obviously been a great player, but I could also see him coming back next year for what you said, like the month of April. Yeah. You know, as, as much as he can say, you know, I'm not going to come back if I don't get it. It's a different thing when you're actually at the end of the year, sitting at 698, you know, at, at that point, especially with, you know, what he's shown that he can still do. 
And if I'm Ali Marmol, he's in the lineup every time there's a lefty on the mound. If Even if a righty starts the game and a lefty reliever comes in, Pujols is going in for an at-bat. you got to give him every opportunity possible. And I think that we're in for a, a really exciting last two weeks of the season or so with Aaron Judge potentially chasing 60 and Pujols chasing 700. You could have a, a big couple weeks there on, on home run watch. Now, let's talk about another race that has gotten interesting lately. We talked about Pujols race against time. Now we're going to talk about the AL Rookie of the Year race, which for a while looked like a lock for J-Rod. J-Rod you know, showed out at the beginning of the season, went out and dominated in the home run derby, even though he ended up losing. But uh, but uh, did he hit the most home runs ever in a, a – a, or one of the third most, second it was, most? It was like top three, I think. Yeah, as a, as a rookie, mm-hmm. went out and, and was really the star of the All-Star game. And now uh, Adley Rutschman is right there. And it, I mean, it looked like, you know, Adley started the season slow. J-Rod was, you know, kind of carrying the Mariners for a while. And he has just exploded. And, you know, tonight with the Little League Classic game, everyone's going to get to see Adley on the national stage for the first time, which is really cool. And He's the guy right now, in my opinion. He took over that that rookie of the year. He leads all rookies in Major League Baseball on F4, and that's in a, at least I'm not, I'm not sure the exact number, but at least 30 less games than J. Rod has played in, and and he's taken that lead. He's been the spark. I mean, you look at what the Orioles have done since that May 21st call up. Uh, he's been a, a huge spark there. Uh, Brad, you sent the baseball seventh page with the. Uh, you know, all of his framing, blocking, all of those. He's in like the 99th percentile and he's, you know, just getting started. And to me, this is, you know, and it's it's really a much better race than the National League one, I think, because, you know, we've got guys like, you know, Adley and J-Rod at the top. Then you've also got Felix Bautista on the O's, the closer, throwing up a sub one ER or sub two ERA. You've got Stephen Kwan on the Guardians. Uh, who's been, uh, you know, fantastic and kind of, you know, at the beginning of the year, he was, you know, the talk of the town and kind of got not gotten much attention lately, but he still played fantastic. You know, you've got a, a real good race going on there. Which way are you guys leaning right now? Yeah, I, I'd say Adley, uh, like J-Rod's health has kind of been in question. I think since Adley's come up, he's stayed, you know, durable. And I, I think if the Orioles can get a wild card spot, you know, it, it would you know, you kind of look back and when they brought up Adley and kind of trace their success to then, I, I think that would help their race. You know, they say MVP is like they they like to value, you know, how much you, you know, lift your team to the postseason. I think rookie year is kind of the same way, potentially. You know, you, you, you can look at it many ways. and You know, you don't have to play the most games, but if you have the biggest effect on your team of all the rookies, maybe you deserve it. Yeah, I would say today, if season ended, it would probably be J-Rod right now because he's got the higher – compilation of stats and stuff like that but i mean this award is at least to lose right now if he stays on this pace what he's been doing for the lot since the all-star break and j-rod stays what he's been doing at least gonna run away with this thing and it's gonna come faster than a lot of people think it's just it's crazy <laughs> it's just it's just he's played so much less you know games and he's so the accumulation isn't there but the uh, advanced metrics are there. You know, the the home runs and the RBIs and all that might not show, but the, the uh, because the accumulation of specifically, you know, war is is there. 
And I, I think that that's where, you know, kind of what we look to at the beginning of the season when we're talking about Judge and Otani is how much more, you know, Otani is doing both and Judge has accumulated so much more war. And I, I think that is a big factor that's going to be looked at. And I, I do think at the end of the year, that's coming to Baltimore. And it's coming to Baltimore next year, too, with Gunner or Grayson, too. So I'll, I'll take that. And I believe that wraps it up for quick hits for this week. Now, Jimmy, MLB Players of the Week. So AL Player of the Week, he's having a real bounce back year in Alex Bregman of the Astros. 11 hits, three home runs, 11 RBI, 367 average, 900 slug, and a 1287 OPS on the week. NL Player of the Week, I doubt I'd be saying this when the year started, but Albert Pujols of the Cardinals. Nine hits, five home runs, 11 RBI, 563 average, 1,500 slug, and a 2111 OPS. AL Pitcher of the Week is Michael Walker of the Red Sox. Two games, 2-0, 12 and two-thirds innings pitch, no runs, 13 Ks, a .63 whip, and just six hits and two walks over those two starts. NL Pitcher of the Week, Miles um, Michaelis of the Cardinals. 2-0 over two starts, 16 combined innings pitched, three earned, 10 strikeouts, a 169 ERA, and a .44 whip. AO Rookie of the Week, another good Royals rookie in Vinny Pascantino. Uh, 10 hits, two home runs, five RBI, 417 average, 708 slug, and a 1208 OPS. NL Rookie of the Week, a newcomer, Vaughn Grissom of the Braves. Him and Michael Harris, that's a really nice rookie duo they got there. 10 hits, one home run, 417 average, 500 on base, and a 1083 OPS. And you, you add in Spencer Strider, too, and they've really got a crazy rookie trio over there. On top of yeah. a core that is locked up for, you know, through 2026, I think, is, is the, the least that one is locked up through. Because, you know, Alex Anthropolis holds his players' families at gunpoint. <laughs> they sign these ridiculously cheap deals. I don't know what he does. I mean... They must just have such a like player friendly system all the way up from from a ball to the major leagues to be able to, to lock up guys for you know eight years and seventy million dollars or something. So yeah, and they're always winning the story at division of, two. Go, you can go, Jimmy. Yeah, but they're always winning at division two. I mean, that has to be attractive to players. Like you, you might take a little pay cut to the division winners and have a shot at the World Series every year. Did you hear the story of how? Um, Grisham was found no. out, of, out of high school. So he went to the same high school as Riley Green. And so a bunch of scouts went to this, and the Brave Scout went to this thing, saw Riley Green. It was like, we're not going to be good enough. We'll, we'll never have a chance to – well, we won't be bad enough or we'll have a chance to draft this kid. So he was watching other players, and Vaughn Grisham was playing shortstop for them. And in his uh, review, he said, if we don't sign this kid, I'm going to be sick to myself. He wow. he he compared him to Ian Desmond, which I feel like it's like a it's a pretty good um, draft comp for him. Like it's, yeah, he's kind of a bigger guy playing in the middle infield, so I feel like that's it's going to work out great for them. Yeah, and you know I, we're kind of hoping the same thing goes down in Baltimore with you know Adley, Grayson, DL, Gunner, all them you know best friends through the minor leagues. Hopefully they can take some team friendly deals to stay together and, and win for a long time. But I tell you what, the Cardinals, man, they are probably our leading players of the week team. It's like every week there's a Cardinal. And I, I mean, that just speaks to how, you know, rock solid, good. Like they've not really had a period where they've been terrible this season, where a lot of the good teams have. 
And then that just speaks to that. Cause like every week there's a Cardinal on the top uh, players of the week, but Brad down to the minor leagues for the minor league players of the week. Triple A was Josh Jung. He's the third baseman for the round rock express. He's 24 years old. He's tw- he was a 2019 first round pick. He was eighth overall. He's kind of been hurt the last couple of years uh, in February tore his labrum. So we, he only got started a couple of weeks ago, but he's come back with a, with a surgeons. He's, Eight for 16, doubled twice, homered four times, drove an 11, had a 13.75 slug and a 19.31 OPS. Double mm-hmm. A was Caden Pokovic. Oh, let's say this again. Caden Pokovic, second baseman for the Arkansas Travelers. He's 23 years old. He was a 2020 third rounder, 78th overall to the Mariners out of Oklahoma State. Uh, he struggled a bit in his first uh, full year of double-A this year, but it's starting to turn around a little bit. He was 8 for 14, doubled once, homered four times, drove in seven, had a 1,500 slug, and a 21-25 OPS. High-A is Matthew Lugo. It's a shortstop for the Greenville Drive. He's 21 years old. It was a 2019 second-round pick, 69th overall. Nice. Out of Carlos Beltran um, Academy High School in Puerto Rico, and he's actually the nephew of Carlos Beltran. He's uh, 13th in the in the Red Sox system. It was 10 for 22 this week, three doubles, four homers, drove in 12, had 11.36 slug and a 16.36 OPS. Low A was Joe, Judd Fabian of the Delmar Delmarva Shorebirds. He was their 20 uh, this year's. Second round pick out of University of Florida. He's 21 years old. He's 25th in the Orioles system right now. And since he's come to Pro Bowl, the only thing he's done is hit. This week he was nine for 18, doubled six times, homered once, drove in six, had a thousand slug, and had a 1571 OPS. Yeah, a lot of people weren't high on that Fabian draft pick. And I was very, very high on that. I was very excited when we took him. And he's doing exactly what I, you know, I had hoped he would uh, since joining the system. So I'm really hyped to see him get the player of the week nod there. I, so tonight, it, it's Sunday right now. The Orioles and Red Sox are playing at the Little League Classic. And I, you know, I'm getting all the tweet notifications from the O's beat writers of the guys going down the hill. They're sliding down the hill with all the kids right now. And Felix Bautista is huge. There was a, they put the picture on Instagram of him standing next to Ciano Perez yesterday. And like Ciano Perez is six feet tall and Felix just towered over him. But seeing Felix next to literal children, they're up to his knees. It's insane. I like this, this video I'm watching is hilarious. So that was just a, a little side note there. Brad, you got our best and worst umpires of the week. Yeah, so our best umpire of the week was Pat Hoberg, who I still think is the best umpire in baseball. Haven't really had um, a game where he's been lights out like this in a couple weeks, but he did the game Friday with uh, the Rangers visiting the Twins. His overall factor for the day was a third of a run for the Rangers. His accuracy was 97%, consistency 97%, called ball accuracy 98%, and called strike accuracy 96%. And the worst on part of the of the week, which was kind of kind of a surprise to me, but it was the game yesterday with the um, the Red Sox in Baltimore. It was four to three, Boston won. Uh, his overall factor for the day was one and a half, or almost one and a half runs for Boston. It was his overall consistency was uh, eighty nine overall 
accuracy, 92. His called ball accuracy was 92%, and his called strike accuracy was 81%. And it's it's another one of those games where it's both teams are right in a hunt for something. You can't be costing teams full runs on one side. And it especially hurts when it's our team, too. <laughs> we get especially tight about that. You know, I I hope they, you know, I know we have the graphics on the socials, but keep a, a record of all the guys who have been best and worst each week. Because at the end of the year, when we do player awards, like our MVP, Cy Young, all that, I would love to do a best umpire of the year and worst umpire of the year. And I think Pat Holberg's definitely the front runner for that best umpire of the year right now. So that's definitely something that we'll have to put together there. Yeah. We're going to Owen and this week's top five players. Yeah, I've been sipping, I've been buzzing, shooting doubles like it's nothing, love and nothing makes you go away. trying something new where we don't have a name for this segment yet we got to come up with something this is just kind of a thing that we threw together last night um but we're gonna get into some baseball cards here because that's a, a really big uh, you know market and brad and jimmy are big into card collecting um so I, i'm just gonna let you guys take the floor here we'll come up with some name in in the future and pull call, call to the pull pens <laughs> something something corny and, and cool we'll come up with but let you guys take that away right now yeah, like 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 I was saying with the players of the week, uh, a couple guys you might want to invest in are Vaughn Grissom and Michael Harris. But quick story: I was in Cooperstown and I decided that I'd invest in a bunch of Fernando Tatis, like rookies, and before like I I got like twenty seventeen, like a bunch of Chrome here, and I thought that it would because I I bought them pretty cheap. I thought that they would, you know, increase in value, but obviously with the PEDs, it's really not going to happen. So I'm kind of bummed about that, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd say any any player in Braves, even Acuna, you know, like you, you could still invest in Acuna and Trout. Obviously, like I've always been big on Trout since he's come up. This, this card's worth a good amount, like a rookie Chrome, and then I think it's like an X Factor Trout rookie Chrome. So yeah, I, I'd say if if you're looking for younger players, I'd definitely go Grissom or uh, Harris. From, from the Braves. Yeah, I'm I'm really big into the prospects because that's when you get the cards for pennies on the dollar, essentially, because once the they get the general, like, gist of the MLB, everybody's going to buy. Everybody. This guy, Elliot De La Cruz, kid has just destroyed in with the Reds this year. He's, like, the 12th-ranked prospect in baseball now. I bought that card for 22 bucks. That card now sells for over 150 and he's still 20 years old in double A. It's, and then, and then on the, on the flip though, you just, 
this is the first time I did this, so I don't know if I'll ever go back. But last Sunday, it's in the seventh inning. Drew Rasmussen has not given up a hit yet. He has not allowed a base runner yet. I go to eBay. I spend $50 on three cards. Nothing. They are worth less than they are now. <laughs> so it's it's you got to be smart with it. I mean, I was I was okay with losing like the fifty bucks there because if you throw a perfect game, you could go look up Philip Humber cards right now. Like his autograph is still selling for like one hundred and twenty bucks. It, it's it's crazy what like a piece of history because essentially you have a piece of history now having their autograph. But I mean, other I got I have Orioles just right here. That's if you want to invest in people, invest when they when their cards first come out. Because the longer that they're available, more people are going to hear about them. So that would be like Grayson, 12 out of 25 auto. Got it for like 15 bucks. I can guarantee you it's worth more than 15 bucks right now. I mean, who? I got Cedric. A Cedric auto out of 50. His rookie card auto, throwback card, it was like 12 bucks. He was in double A at the time, couldn't make it in the majors. It's just, as long as you go for like younger guys and you'll probably miss on a few because that's just the way it was. The first player I ever like collected was Will Middlebrooks. And that has turned out to be a disaster. Like I just stopped collecting at one point because I was like, there's not there. I'm just going to lose money every time I keep buying. But it was a fun experience because when like with cards, I think majority of people are buying because they like the players and not because they want to flip a profit. That's mostly for the people who were, you know, they got thousands and thousands of dollars to spend on this. The majority of people don't. They just like to do it because they like to have cards and a connect, more of a connection to the players and the teams. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's really like the stock market of baseball, too. You know, like you said, you're going to hit and you're going to miss. And if you do proper research, you know, you probably hit more than you miss. Um, but it's a lot of it is luck of the draw, right? Like, so I, I think that that's, you know, maybe, maybe the name we come up with can be something, something to do with some kind of like stock market card crossover or something like that. We'll, we'll get thinking on that. Um, but I'll, I'll throw a name out there too. And that's Colton Kowser is one that I, I would throw out there. Who's, you know, not really hugely recognized right now. Um, but is I mean, he's going to be Nick Markakis 2.0 and Nick Markakis had a borderline hall of fame career. So that's a, a name that I'll throw out, even though I'm not quite as big into it as you guys. But maybe listening to you guys do this every week, I'll uh, you know pick up some things and get myself into it. Now we're going to this week's power and sour rankings, starting on the sour side. At number five, we've got the San Diego Padres. Josh Hader putting up a 16 plus ERA since that trade. If he's not, uh, you know walking guys and giving up hits he's throwing balls into right field and costing the team the lead that has been a disaster of a trade they've been terrible since getting him bell soto uh, it's not been good for the padres since the deadline number four is the marlins had a terrible week they haven't been on here in a while so they were due to appear three and seven in the last 10 up to number three uh, from four and five in previous weeks is the Milwaukee Brewers. They traded Josh Hader and they've blown several saves since. They've really seen their, uh, you know, the, the gap in the division between them and the Cardinals widen. It's a four plus games now. Going to number two, the, the New York Yankees. We said it's time to panic. It's really time to panic when you find yourself on the sour rankings, especially up at that number two spot. And then number one, even though he's in the lineup today, like nothing happened. Of Marcelo Zuna, who else could it be at, at number one, getting busted for a DUI. This is his second run-in with the law in the last 
couple of years. He had the domestic violence incident. He had the DUI now, handing over his MLB ID to the cops. It's it's not a good look for him. It's not a good look for the Braves that he's still in the lineup, especially with the talent that they have and really how bad he's been. He's not been good. He's not been the Marcelo Zuna that you know we saw on the Marlins. Um, so uh, not a fan of the, the whole Marcelo Zuna saga there. He lands himself at number one. Now going to the power rankings, we, we kind of broke a, a little bit of a rule that uh, we established here, which is that you're top five in the powers. You're not on the sours. Um, but there, there's, it's a tricky situation with this Yankees team who comes in at number five on the, the powers as well, because they're still you know clearly in the, the top half of teams at least. Um, but really, you know, record-wise, talent on the roster-wise, and we've seen them put up incredible performances before. So while they've been as sour as you can be over the last week or two, they're still, as Aaron Boone said, it's right there. It's right there, man. So, you know, they, they can turn it on at any second and still be that, you know, they're still a title contender, you know, whether we think they're going to be first-round exits or not. Um, but they're, they're sour, too. So it's a tricky thing, and we did have to make a little exception to our own rule there. But the Braves jumped them. The Braves are number four. And then the same top three we've seen the past couple of weeks with the, with one little caveat, and that's that the Mets are three, the Astros are two, and then there's about a 50-foot gap there between the Astros here and the Dodgers up here because the Dodgers are playing out of their minds. They're playing at the best 162 pace of any team in MLB history over their last uh, 162. So – um, that there's such a clear big gap there on the you got to make a, a little caveat there between them and the Astros but that is going to wrap it up for the power and sour rankings and for this week's episode we're doing minor league mania on social media at ctbp pod you can vote for the best minor league team name we're through the round of 32 we're going to be moving on uh, to the the round of 16 now so look out for that this week on socials at CTBP pod, specifically on, on Instagram. I shouldn't have said all socials, but follow us on all socials because we have them. We got Twitter. We got TikTok. We got Instagram. Same name on all of them at CTBP pod. Subscribe on YouTube and we'll see you all next week with another episode. Thank you.